Hello and welcome to Misbehave, the podcast which explores human behavior in business and how it impacts people, performance and profit. In this episode, the focus is on feedback. We'll discuss how to flex feedback models to avoid misbehavior and how you can apply behavioral understanding to create win-win interactions. We'll help you explore techniques that ensure your feedback is motivating whoever you're giving it to, how to avoid tension points and ultimately how to give and receive feedback that leaves a lasting impression and drives positive change. Let's misbehave. Welcome back to the Misbehave podcast. You're here with Laura and Sarah. And today we are talking about why traditional feedback models aren't enough. So one of the things we talk about a lot is traditional management toolkits. And I think it's important to set that up to say we use a lot of these in our business. We use them with our work with clients. We fully believe in a lot of them. The tricky thing is when it comes to using those as your cornerstone for improving your managers and using those only. Because what they kind of become is this one size fits all. If you're using this particular management model with your team, you are guaranteed to get good results. Yeah. The challenge of that is it doesn't take into account individual behaviours. And Probably it will elevate your management style and performance from what it was without the toolkit, but it it will almost plateau at a certain point. And to really get deeper levels of change, higher levels of performance from your team, to really be able to turn around underperformance, you've got to then take those models and apply some behavioral insight to that and actually acknowledge that people will want to receive things in different ways. They'll be motivated by different things. So that in itself, that whole, let's follow this management model and apply across our business can actually be misbehavior in itself. Yeah. And I think often, certainly with the businesses, we've helped to implement feedback structure and improve their, some of them didn't have any structure in the first instance, to improve the way in which they do that to drive consistency is absolutely critical. Because if you've got a bunch of managers all delivering an appraisal structure or a feedback loop or carrying out one-to-ones and they're doing them all differently, that can feel like not a great experience for the the person you're delivering it to. However, the structure is the best practice and it can help put in a little bit of um, order to how you do it and help you capture notes and, and key points. But if it's done in a way that doesn't land well with the other person, everything you say can be deleted, mm-hmm. can be distorted or it just can have such a negative impact on the other person that it's actually caused more damage than improvement. Yeah. So what we're really looking at today is using a model, putting in place, kind of like Sarah said, to create some standardization across your business so that you can manage that experience that your employees have. So putting in place a model that's consistent, but then applying a layer of behavioral flex if you want to call it that, to it, where you still use the model, but you actually apply some behavioral influencing over the top of that model that then makes your delivery bespoke to the person that you're dealing with. I think feedback's a great one to apply this to. (laughs) It's, It's the one that people seem to struggle with the most, but it's also the one that we hear consistently, and actually we say a lot of to clients of like, you've got to give your team feedback. You know, they need to, they're not mind readers, they need to know what's going on. But there is definitely a layer to this and not just delivering it in a one size fits all way. So 
the listeners out there, have a little think about when you have received a piece of feedback that has had a lasting impression on you, that has either driven you forward and it's been fantastic and it's really helped you project uh, and improve. Or maybe think about when you've received a piece of feedback that didn't land well with you, that maybe has had a negative impact. Now, we are going to be exploring receiving and giving feedback because sometimes it's not, it's not, it's, it's a two way thing. It's got to be a win win for both. But also, you have got to also open your mind as the receiver of feedback that it's a gift. It's often the very thing that allows you to have insight on something maybe you don't, you don't see, you don't know, and also give you an opportunity to improve and grow. So, you know, we often describe it as if you can do it right, it is a gift generally, like genuinely, it's a gift to receive something that allows you to then move forward and do something better or improve the way that you're communicating to someone. Often this stuff we talked the last few times around subconscious behavior, we're doing things subconsciously. Someone can then point that out to you. And some of the stuff that certainly I've received from, from Laura, because we know this stuff, it's done in such a way with best intention that I can then take that and say, right, okay, I now can see my blind spot. Like, I didn't know I was doing that. That is a blind spot for me. And I now, I've, I've moved it from my blind spot into my view and I can do something with that. If you give someone feedback, uh, you know, positive critical feedback, if you give them it and then they decide not to do anything with it, that's a different conversation. But if they didn't know it in the first instance, you know, you can actually be doing a disservice to to someone. And I think if you're managing them, it's part of your responsibility to help nurture the growth in the mindset of someone. So, you know, we're looking at this from a management standpoint, but it could be peer to peer level feedback. It could be giving feedback to a customer. Some of the principles we're talking about, and we're going to delve into the behaviours in a second, it, it, it actually applies across the board. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it was Brene Brown said, clear is kind. And I feel like I repeat that on a daily basis because it's like being clear with somebody is, you know, often we we fail to give somebody the honest truth or the honest feedback because we're worried, and this is a behavioural pattern itself that we'll get into, we're worried about the negative impact on them, but actually it's unkind to be unclear. If somebody's going through something and they're not clear on what they need to improve or what they're doing wrong, you're not giving them an opportunity to see if they could improve that. Yeah. So thinking about a little model for feedback, because this is a great example of that management toolkit layered with some behavioural insight. So there's lots and lots of different models for feedback, but one that we use is thinking about it as a teaspoon of feedback. So TSP, so making sure that your feedback is timely, that it's specific and that it's personal. We'll put a little caveat on the personal piece here. When when we say personal, we mean specific to that individual. So you're not giving generalised feedback like, great job, everybody. You're actually picking out and say you're giving a piece of positive feedback. It might be, you did a great job on this. This was what you did really well. That's what we mean by personal. We don't mean personal where it feels like almost like a personal attack. You know, you're giving somebody a negative piece of feedback and it almost, they leave that conversation feeling a little bit bruised. You know, it could be things like um, using, often it's in the terminology that you use. So it might be that, you know, your piece of feedback is, I don't have visibility over what you're working on day to day versus I don't think you're working hard enough. Like that's kind of the difference. Now, 
there's a caveat around that because we were just talking about before, before we jumped on this, you know, there's a piece where if you've given somebody a piece of feedback multiple times, they're underperforming. Every time you give them the feedback, you might have to notch up the directness of it if it's not landing. And it might get to a point where it's quite personal. But as a starting point, you want to think about making it personal to the individual, but not a personal attack. I think it's the big piece. Absolutely. And I think the other piece is, is that if you're giving someone the feedback in your default way, so you're giving them it in multiple, multiple times and you think, gosh, I've said this a number of times, you might need to stop and take a look at, are you giving them it in the same way? You might need to think about, actually, this isn't landing with this person. What's stopping it from landing? How do how can I change that approach in order for it to land better with the person that's receiving it? And that is linked with language, but it's also linked that naturally we default to our own way of wanting to receive feedback. So, and we're going to delve into, Laura and I do differ quite a bit on this subject, which <laughs> it'll be quite interesting to share with you guys. But it means that, you know, you've got to, if you continue to do what you've always done, you're going to get the same output. Yeah. You know, it, it's that it's that very famous phrase and you have to alter the way that you're doing it sometimes in order to think, right, have I done everything I can for this to land? And then if, then if it's a question of underperformance and you then need to really, you know, really nail down the feedback in order to drive the actions that, that is required, then, you know, you do need to be really specific. And, you know, sometimes you do have to be very direct with that. Yeah, yeah. So it's what we're not saying is take the nicely, nicely approach. Absolutely not. Laura and I are pretty, pretty direct when we give feedback, but we make it linked to improvement and that we want to help this person grow and develop and that actually what they don't know, they can't alter. So it's done in a very sort of best intention, but, you know, a a really, a really um, focused way. Yeah, absolutely. So thinking about this, so using that model and that model alone, could be what we would classify as misbehaviour. So we implement the teaspoon model of giving feedback across our business. Great. So that's step one. You're you're already likely better at giving feedback than you were before because you're giving it in a timely way. You know, you might be giving the feedback after somebody does something. You're doing it in a specific way. So you're putting some parameters around it. You're not just making sweeping generalisations and you're making it personal to the individual that you're talking about, not a group. So that's already better. Where the misbehaviour comes in, and just as a reminder for those who might have just jumped onto this podcast and not listened to the previous two episodes, when we say misbehaviour, we mean subconscious misbehaviour. Nobody's sat there consciously saying, I am just going to give general feedback. I know it won't land, or at least I hope not many people are sat there feeling like this. (laughs) Um, You know, they're not sat there saying, I'm just going to give general feedback. I don't have time and I can't be bothered to make it specific to individuals. I'm just going to use this model and that that's, I'm done. Take it's off my list. Nobody's consciously sitting doing that. But let's be honest, you know, managers today, whether it's a manager, whether you're working with your customers, whatever it is, we're all busy. We're looking for models that we can execute. And sometimes we don't have time to think about all the intricacies. But the challenge with that is, and we're going to give you some really simple tools that actually shouldn't take you a lot of time to do. If you don't think about the behavioural lens layered on top of that, your feedback is likely to only land at best, probably 50% of the time. And actually, when I say land, that's probably best case scenario. Worst case scenario is you actually potentially lose a lot of people, put a lot of people off, demotivate people when actually your intention is the absolute opposite. So it's about layering on that lens 
So let's use this model and look at the differences. So we could give, Sarah and I were giving each other feedback. We could use that model. We could make it timely. We could make it specific. We could make it personal. But there's some intricate differences between how the two of us would then want that feedback to be delivered. Yeah. Just... I want to say something first before we dive into the differences. One of the things that is really important with any any feedback is challenge the idea rather than the person. So sometimes people are bringing ideas forward and you want to give them feedback on the idea or they're doing things that they think is a good idea, but it's not. So, but if I wanted to say, for example, give Laura that feedback, I wouldn't say you are doing that wrong or I don't like the way you're doing that. I would say... That idea that you've presented or the way that you're doing something is 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 obviously something that you're really passionate about. Can you give me more about that? I would talk about the idea rather than the person. Yeah. We are hardwired as human beings to take things personally. So what we're actually asking people who are receiving feedback to do here is not to make it personal. To actually see it as a way of I'm, I'm learning something new and not to make it about them. Mm-hmm. More often than enough, it's about how someone's doing something. It's their approach. Now, there's two ways, points of feedback. There's your behaviours, so your conduct, your attitude, and then there's your skills. Mm-hmm. Typically, it's much easier to give people feedback on skills because you can make it it's less personal. Isn't yeah. It? When you're giving people feedback about conduct, attitude or behaviour, it's tricky. So what we see a lot is that people just avoid giving the feedback yeah. on that area. So they focus only on the skills bit. So that's, I just wanted to set that bit up first because it's really critical that you don't avoid the behavioural stuff because often that's the stuff that's causing the pain, the skills, but you can say, right, you need some improvement in this, you need some CPD in this, we can support you in that. But if it's behavioural, we let that stuff ride because it's difficult to give feedback on and then it continues and behaviour breeds behaviour as we know. Looking at us, so we're going to, we're going to talk in what we would call the behavioural pattern terms. If you've been here before, you'll know what we're talking about. We're going to give you a couple. I mean, we'll be honest, there's more, but these are probably the biggies when it comes to feedback. So we'll look first of all at what we call internal, external. So people who get their source of information internally, i.e. from themselves, that's their gauge as to whether they're doing a good job. Externally motivated people, get their gauge externally. So typically their gauge for whether they're doing a good job or making a good decision is external feedback, other people, that sort of thing. This is one of the patterns that Sarah and I are actually the opposite on. So for me, I'm more internal. And actually what that means is feedback actually isn't that motivating to me because my source of information is internal. I.e. my gauge of if I'm doing a good job, if I'm making a good decision, even just my sense check, I guess, Mm. is internal. Whereas when you're more external, like Sarah, your sense check, and it's not always, it depends on your seniority, your years of experience. It's not always that you need to check you're doing a good job externally, but you like to discuss it. You like the feedback. Your source of reference is, let's talk to other people or talk it through to know whether we've done a good job or that decision was right or that delivery was good. It would be external. So feedback for someone more external is way more important. Yeah. Absolutely. And what's important to say is there's a gauge. So if a scale almost. So what you're not, you're not putting one camp or the other, you will flex up and down with the behaviour. So in, in the introduction podcast that we did, we talked a lot about the setup of this, but just to sort of say it's a, it's a, it's a gauge. So you'll flex it. So in circumstances where I'm experienced and, and kind of I know what I'm doing, I don't necessarily seek 
the feedback, but I just like getting it. I like to discuss it, as Laura said. For other people, it's more critical that they get the feedback before they move forward. So it depends on your dominance in these patterns on either side. What's interesting is for for Laura, for example, the feedback, I have to be really careful about how I give her feedback in the sense of if she's already done her internal source check with herself, she's do, usually done the due diligence on something. <laughs> and so she... Think, I usually think I'm right. You usually basically. think you're right. I was just about <laughs> to say that. She usually thinks she's right. If I then go and challenge that and tell her she's wrong, her wall's going to go up potentially. Now, obviously we've worked together a long time, so we understand each other better. But for you, you guys listening, it's really important that because I want a win-win interaction with Laura, I don't want to just throw the feedback, get it off my chest. I feel better, but I leave her feeling disgruntled. Maybe, you know, you go away and you, you actually don't do the suggestions because you think you're right. And I've actually delivered in a way that's got you back up. Well, that's a good example, isn't it? Of what we mean by actually how feedback can be demotivating mm-hmm. and disengaging somebody because of my pattern. And it's like we say, this is bespoke. So it's not, this doesn't happen as much with Sarah's pattern. We'll get into that. But for someone who's internally motivated, like if I get feedback like that, where it's super direct and it's pretty much someone saying to me, I think you're wrong. My subconscious reaction to that is my, on, in my subconscious, I mean, we laugh about it, but on a subconscious level, I think I'm right now, whether or not I'm verbalized that, but it then feels as though someone's just questioned every part of me. It feels personal. Mm -hmm. And actually that's the demotivating bit because I then were on a podcast, so I'm not going to swear. You can imagine what I'm thinking in my head. I'm like, well, I don't care what you think. Like I'm going to do it this way. And it actually drives me to do the very opposite of probably what the feedback intended. Mm -hmm. So that's where it's really interesting. And guys, we're talking about influencing here to get good, good outcomes. So With all of this, whether you're managing someone, whether it's at peer level, the outcome that you're focusing on is what you need to focus on. Influencing to get the best outcome for the business, for the situation, for the person that you're giving the feedback for. Um, It's really about being outcome focused. And I think, so for example, if I was going to give Laura some feedback, I mean, we know the behavioral stuff. So we generally do talk in behaviors, I might say. I appreciate you've done a lot of work on this. You've already given it a lot of thought. Would you be open for me to share what I think? Laura then gives me the nod and says, yeah, of course I will. She then thinks she's given me permission almost to give the feedback. And then I give her it. But I don't just dive in and say, I think you're wrong. Or I disagree completely. I want to stimulate a debate. And the best way to to stimulate a debate is to be careful about how you start the conversation but also that I am still honest. Like if I think yeah. Laura's behaved in a way that didn't really land right or she didn't realise she was behaving in a way that had maybe had a negative impact on me, I usually raise it. I'll just say, no, your intention wasn't that. However, um, you know, you were you were being super direct there or you didn't ask my opinion on that and it really mattered. And so what we're not doing is because actually this is this is the interesting one because usually people who have more of an internal pattern, if you work with them, you can feel it. Now I'm not super, the scale Sarah was talking about before. If, if you did, if you looked at my behavioral assessment, I'm about 65%. I'm not, you know, this, this gets harder, the higher up the scale, but actually these are usually the people that you avoid conflict with because you're not sure how it's going to go. And we actually hear a lot of people say this with customers that Mm -hmm. they've got a customer who thinks they're right. They then just don't challenge that. And actually anyone who runs any sort of service business in particular, 
you've got to be able to influence customer opinion. Otherwise, you can't drive change. So you might use phrases like, you brought us in for a reason. Essentially, what you're wanting to do is do a subconscious tag that they made the right decision because they're not going to want to admit that they were wrong. So you brought us in for a reason. Do you mind if I share this, what we're seeing? Or you know your business better than I do, but actually from an external standpoint, we're seeing this. Can I share it? Mm. So it's it's about that. Like Sarah said before, it's about, we call it permission to play. Yeah. It's not bow down permission, but it's about reaffirming the subconscious, your right piece and then giving the feedback. I'm going to pick myself up on a little word. I used the word, but previously we're going to come on to that. So it's about giving it in a, with a, with no, but so you know, your business better than I do. Do you mind what we're saying? It's just a follow on. It's not a, but they're still right. Yeah. But it's giving the feedback after that. And on the flip side, the external pattern is really, you're more open to feedback. You kind of almost seek it. Mm -hmm. And as a result, you generally give more feedback. So, and sometimes that's because you want to receive it back, but sometimes just on your radar. So for example, I would be way more likely to give feedback to our team than Laura. It's not an... It's not an, It's not that Laura doesn't think the feedback often. I mean, we laughed about this a few years ago because she'd be like, I often think like you've done a great job. And I think sometimes I almost think I've said it to you because I thought it, but <laughs> I forget to say it. Yeah. And and often it can be like, because I'll, I'll give Laura feedback, she'll sometimes give it back. But you've now made that a priority because you know that that motivates me. So when you're giving me feedback, you, you, you'll, you're more conscious about doing it more frequently. But also usually for, for me, it's about, Involve, involvement of other people because I'm, I'm very sort of people orientated but you know if you're more internal the feedback stuff won't come as natural you won't be more mi- you won't be as mindful of doing it whereas an external person will but also that feeling it's the feedback it's not always individual feedback it's team feedback so if we've gone in and delivered a piece of work I'm interested to know what the client's feedback is more if Laura will get a sense that we've done a good job and that's that and like yeah. you don't necessarily need the feedback coming no. coming from the client although it, when you get it it's lovely to receive it but yeah it's not that as an internal person you don't ever appreciate feedback no you just don't seek it necessarily and it has to be really thought about how it's given for it to land in the right way it's interesting what you said there about feedback because we've actually got a client who is higher up the internal scale and as part of our coaching with her, she actually now, and, and it sounds contrived, but remember, with all of this stuff, win-win interaction. So sometimes you have to put in place a process or something to drive something. So she actually now has a diary holder in her calendar every Friday that says give feedback. And then what she does is she goes back through a week and she looks at her interactions with different people internally and externally and she still uses the sort of specific model. She gives very personal feedback, but she goes back to a handful of individuals and gives them some real good feedback. Now that sounds contrived, but she is actually very cleverly, we helped her put a process in place that will encourage her to drive more feedback because it just would not be natural to her, but her team need it. Mm. And, and this particular client, she had a lot of external people in her team and, yeah. and people who were motivated by that sense of belonging and wanting to be feeling like they're doing a good job with each other. And so that was actually something that was missing from that side. So I think, you know, there's, there's also a couple of other things I think we need to think about in relation to giving feedback. If you have someone who's got a more reflective behavioural pattern, 
they generally want the heads up before you, they're about to go in yeah. to a feedback session for them to think about it. So say, for example, an appraisal or a one-to-one, they'll want to know the kind of things you're going to cover with them. Someone who's a bit more proactive, a bit more high initiation in, in our behavioural terms, but someone who basically would be happy to dive into a session, chat to the fact, talk it through. They don't necessarily need the, the feedback. What's important with reflective people, they might need some time to go away and think about things post the feedback. But what you want to make sure is they don't get stuck in the feedback loop, yeah. that reflective loop where they're like going over it and over it and come back to the same place. So you need to really make sure that you conclude the meeting. They understand what you've said. You ask them what's your understanding of what was said. Can you just tell me what you've heard back and get them to repeat it back so they're clear. Similarly, with those high initiations, they'll want action. So for someone like Laura and I, <laughs> we want actions after a piece of feedback. What does that mean? What do I have to do with it? So being really clear about what's the action, what's the takeaway? Okay, what's the steps in order for me to get something from this conversation? Otherwise, they feel like the feedback, feedback's been a waste of time and they'll kind of almost begrudge the time they've given to it. Again, it's to be motivated by it, isn't it? Yeah. So the reflective people want time to think about it. They want time to prep prior to coming in and then time to think it through after would interrupt that so they don't think too long and, and spin because sometimes that's when the distortion of the feedback can happen and the high initiation people are going to be like okay give me the feedback but then give me an action yeah otherwise I don't feel like I've learned anything well, obviously we and we say this throughout the different episodes we obviously behaviorally profile people so we've got a map that enables you to see all of this but just as some really quick things before we jump into the next section to spot this Internal people will typically talk in terms of I, you'll know because they, they will tend to not seek feedback from you. They'll probably, when you talk to them, if they're in your team, they'll be saying things like, I know, I've done. External people will ask you more questions. They'll ask for feedback more. They'll typically use we did. So those are just some little tips to spot. And on the reflective and the high initiation, again, your high initiations, you're going to, you're going to feel them from a, from an action perspective. When you're giving them things, they're going to be asking you things like, how do I get started on that? What do I need to do to move forward? You will see the pace there. Reflective people, when you're giving them feedback or in meetings, they might look blank and sometimes they look like they're not taking it in. They are simply processing it. So those are just, I mean, we've got, we get 20 to 30 minutes of your time in these podcasts. We can't teach you to be behavioural experts, but that's just a little, couple of little tips to cross-check where you think some of the people around you, whether that's in your team or customers, sit from that pattern perspective. I've just thought of one little point that we've forgot, which is mm -hmm. absolutely, it's a big one. If you are more internal, the likelihood is the superficial rapport piece mm -hmm. is less important. So for example, you can get straight down to business and say, right, we're here to do X. And you can dive in and almost start the conversation and the feedback straight away. What I mean by superficial, I just mean that top layer of like small talk. It's it's less important for those people. They're happy just for you to dive in and say what you think. If you're more external and the wee bit's important, the likelihood is those people are going to want to feel like they've connected with you before you start giving the feedback. And these are just some examples of where you might need to flex as the giver of feedback and the receiver. Um, because for me, you know, if if someone dived into a piece of feedback without having said hello, how you doing? And I'm probably I'm not going to receive it in the best way. Yeah, I need a little warming up first before uh, someone dives in. So it's it's just you know it's, it's whereas for me it's kind of the opposite. That I'm like if we talk about the the fluffy stuff for too long, I'm like listen. I mean, it's also I'm I'm a bit more internal, but I'm also high initiation. So when you combine those two patterns, I'm like. 
can you just get down to the point because I've got stuff to do? Yeah. So it's like, just give me what you want to give me and let's move on. Yeah. Sometimes Laura's brutal with me. She'll like just throw out a bit of feedback and I'll be like, whoa, hold on, Mark, yeah. good morning. Darling, still, how are you doing? We're still practicing what we preach here, people. Absolutely. Um, okay, so before we wrap up, we just wanted to give you two little quick takeaways, but total game changers. Whenever we do this with clients, these are always the things that they say they get as a takeaway. So... A big piece of behavioral training, understanding is the language that you use. I mean, a huge part of what we teach is body language, but is actually words. It's really simple words that you use. And there's two little words that are really important when it comes to feedback. So the first one is why. Now, we're not saying don't use why in a sentence, but it's a, it's why questions now, for those of you that have read books like The Five Whys, Ask Why Enough Times, a lot of the management root cause analysis books, this will potentially jar with you a little bit. So I'm just going to caveat with this that we're not saying don't question. We're talking about how you question. So it's things like, say, for example, you've got somebody who hasn't hit a target and you need to give them some feedback about it. You wouldn't really want to start that question with, why did you not hit that target? As soon as you use the word why, it feels like an accusation. And nine times out of 10, you then get a defensive response back. Now that's best case. You ask someone who's internal a why question. We talk about what we talked about at the beginning around they think they're right. The why feels like an accusation that they're wrong. So you'll usually see that wall come up. And nine times out of 10, whatever you give after that why question isn't going to be received very well. With externals, they're less likely to, for the wall to come up, but they can still, remember in the people piece, it'll feel like there's almost like a mistrust with that why question and you'll still likely get the defensive response. And the misbehaviour then comes in because yeah. you then get either someone goes into proven, I'll yeah. prove to you, I'll, I'll tell you all the reasons as to what, or you get someone withdraw. Yeah. And they start to hide from the question and they just stay stum. Yeah. So those, this is a typical, like, this is just a little tip, I suppose. Ask the how and the what questions moving forward. Like, how could you have done that different? What do we need to do to stop that from happening this time around? Um, what were the things that we need to consider from last month to this month? So you still, you can still reflect on the past. You can still reflect on the things that have gone wrong, but it's done in a forward motion way that takes people forward rather than taking them back. And I think that's, that's like the critical bit. It's what we want to do often with feedback is, is take people forward, make them, you know, not for them to sit in what's gone wrong, all the things that haven't happened, the failures of last month or the month before. We want them to actually start thinking about how can they change that moving forward. And in a consultative way, isn't it? Mm -hmm. You know, instead of saying, why did you not hit that target? What, what do you think was behind missing that target? Like that flip of that is, it's just more consultative it's yeah. like let's solve this it's not an accusation it's the what and the how actually almost subconsciously says I know that you've got best intentions with this and it comes across as a very collaborative way to solve a problem as opposed to an accusation that you are the problem yeah so so that's the first little one. Second one is but <laughs> or however because however is just but dressed up in a nice frilly dress. Um, <laughs> where did Clyde describe it? They're like, well, I use however, is that better? Well, not really. It's just a posher way to say but. And this goes back to traditional models. Yeah. So often, you, must, you know, we've read lots of things around this stuff where they say, 
give a piece of um, positive feedback first and then give the critical feedback afterwards. And usually there's a but in the middle of it. So you did a great job last month, but, and then you give the feedback. And often what happens is you just delete the bit of the good feedback before the but. So anything that's been said before the but often gets deleted. Mm -hmm. Not in every case, but often, more often than enough. So that traditional model of, yeah, like dress it up, give them some positive feedback, make them feel great, and then give them the critical stuff. And everybody's different. So some people focus on the good stuff and delete the bad stuff. Some people focus on the bad stuff and delete the good stuff. And you can still do that, but... But (laughs) you can still do that, but do an and or a full stop. So it's just, you did a great job last month. And actually what I want you to look at for this month is this, or you did a great job last month, pause. The thing that I think you need to focus on is this. So then what that does is subconsciously, you're not deleting anything because actually the positive and the negative is important. So you can still give both sides to the coin, just remove the word but or however. Mm -hmm. So. So a little wrap up, because I'm conscious that we've kind of talked about lots of different models here. So the first is consider your audience. That's the big piece. And we've gave you some little tips on how even just thinking about those four behavioral patterns that we talked about. Have a little think about your team. First of all, you might want to think about key customers. If you're more customer facing, where do you think they sit from a perspective of those patterns? A little tip with that is if somebody's more balanced It might not be super obvious, in which case you don't need to worry about it. It's the people who are dominant in those patterns that we talked about that you want to be really cognizant of. So the ones that you can spot are the ones that you need to think about. Also, sorry, Lord, just want to add and think about yourself. Yeah, Because you will default to your own, the way you like to receive feedback and how you like to communicate, you will default to yourself. Totally. What we're suggesting here is that you flex that in accordance to the person on the other end. Yeah, absolutely. It's about giving how you give it, but also then how the other person likes to receive it. So that's your first point. Second point is watching that personal piece. Like Sarah talked about before, challenge the idea, not the person. When we say give personal feedback, personal in the sense of it's specific to that individual and not sort of broad brush collective feedback, but it's not a personal attack. So be careful about the language that you use and and almost consideration of how someone will receive that information depending obviously on how many times you've given that feedback and how you need to notch it up. And lastly, just be cognizant of the words that you use. That why and but, and I'm sure throughout this uh, season, we'll give you some other little top tip words to work on, but just be cognizant of those. You know, where can you flip around that language? Where can you use a what or a how instead of a why? Where can you use an and or just a pause when you want to use that word but or how? Thank you for choosing to listen to the Misbehave podcast. Hit the subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes.